The Mindful Muslima Speaks podcast was created to serve Muslim women. And that's why it is so apropos that the first interview I will ever do on this podcast after almost a year of tips and information that I've given you on tons of topics, that the first interview I will ever do is one of my listeners, one of you. I invited Sarah on the show because I think it's so important as women that we build that village and we uplift one another and we share our information and insights. And Sarah is a brilliant young woman from Canada. Super excited to have her on the show. We're going to hear a word from her sponsor and then we're going to get right into Sarah and what she has to say about living life as a modern Muslima. Hello, assalamu alaikum. Thank you for joining us here at Mindful Muslim Speaks, the podcast where we are empowering women to grow and thrive. I'm your host, Mindful Muslima, and we're here two times a week, but this is a bonus episode, so we're super excited. Our first interview ever on the podcast today with our special guest. But yeah, we do podcasts two times a week on issues related to mindful living as Muslims, um, related to parenting, homeschooling, life hacks, organization, you name it. If we go through it as Muslims, it's on this podcast. So um, I don't have to give a shout out today because today my shout out is my guest. If you listen to my podcast uh, earlier this morning, you might have heard that I said I was going to have a special guest. Actually, this guest is one of my listeners from the very, very, very beginning of my podcast. And I really took to her. Actually, I didn't know she was one of my listeners. I found her on Instagram. She found me. And we just started talking almost like as friends. And slowly, slowly, I got to learn about her and kind of what an amazing Muslim she is. So I'm super honored to have today Sarah on the podcast. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Hi. Assalamualaikum. I'm good. How are you? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So honored to have you as one of our first guests. And one thing I just want to mention that I mentioned in the last podcast, I know there's tons of podcasts where, you know, we bring on super famous people and we want to, you know, talk about their life and their experience and what they can teach us. But I think so many of us women go through so many things on a day-to-day basis and we have so much to share and to learn from one another. And so my, my whole um, idea of the whole podcast was to think of mindful living as a Muslim woman in this day and age and kind of how to take what we know of the Quran and Sunnah and apply it to modern day. So I wanted to bring on Sarah because I wanted Sarah to tell us um, a little bit about her life and kind of how she incorporates um, Islam in her daily life as a modern Muslim. But before we get into a whole lot of questions that I have, I wanted to ask you, Sarah, can you tell us maybe a bit about yourself as the, the listeners have never met you and just kind of your take on what it is like to be a modern Muslima in this day and age? Um, okay, sure. So I am a mom of one. Um, my son is two years old. Um, so he has, he's like full of a lot of energy. And uh, I live in Canada. So, um, you know, like obviously in the West where um, we don't see Islam necessarily all around us. And I also work. So I, um, I'm working in marketing. And obviously right now with the whole like coronavirus and stuff, I'm working from home. Um, in terms of like the struggles of being a modern Muslim woman, obviously, um, uh, especially as a parent, I think we all have these worries, especially like living in the West where uh, we're not sure what's going to happen in our society and around us and how much we can actually like shelter our kids away from things that we don't necessarily want them to see or hear yeah. um, or experience, you know what I mean? Um, but I think one of the biggest things that you need to just um, think about is like, you just need to think about um, 
teaching them as best as you can from the home, giving them all of the kind of the tools and, and all of that kind of stuff to equip them for the challenges they're going to face later. Because all of them are going to face these challenges, um, whether, it's the, whether it's in school or just in the streets or the park or with their friends, like wh whether they're Muslim or non-Muslim friends, you know, things are going to come up and they're going to be tested, um, like we're all tested. And we need to just be secure that we've t given them all the right tools at home so that they at least know like right from wrong. They know what our teachings are. Um, and they know, what, like, really what, what they're supposed to do, what they're not supposed to do. And so even if they make mistakes later on, um, you know, they can, they're always going to eventually come back to what they know is right. Maybe they have to make mistakes and fall a little bit and then come back to it when they realize it doesn't feel so good to do these things or whatever. Um, so that's why I keep telling myself at least. SubhanAllah. No, that's, those are the great points. And it's really hard too as a parent because sometimes as a Muslim, you're, you're figuring things out as you go and you hope you're kind of doing it right and guiding your kids along, but you're not, you know, you're doing that and then they're just always watching us, right? So it's, it's always that struggle, SubhanAllah. And yeah. tell me a bit more because I, I find it interesting as, as being, you're, you're a fairly young woman, um, like being out there in the world and having your identity and also kind of um, just integrating with the community where you're in on a regular basis. What are some of the things that you think um, you constantly go back to when you think about in terms of how, the best way as a young woman to kind of just live in both worlds, like keep your identity, but also be just part of regular society? You know, the funny thing is I often um, listen to your podcasts and um, things that really stuck to me the most. And I was telling one of my friends about this too, a few weeks ago as well. Uh, we were discussing about how to conduct ourselves in front of like non-mahram men because obviously in our workplaces we deal with them a lot and things like that mm -hmm. um and i referred her to some of your podcasts and things like that but i was like the like even some of the podcasts that don't talk about that but you kind of do uh allude to those like those are the ones that like stick to me the most because i think for the most part um it's not hard to like just be a Muslim woman in this, like in, in society, like over here, at least in Canada, like I don't ever feel unsafe or something like that. Um, but it's more about myself, my mannerisms, and then how I'm going to, like how I'm um, acting around other people, especially around men um, and things like that. So um, because in my workplace, like I am in a team, in, in, in my team, my marketing team, it's there's women and there's men. So um, I think your podcast have really helped guide me as to what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, and also like what's necessary and what's not necessary. Like, I don't need to be getting into conversation about like anybody's home life or anything like that. It's just like stick to work. And it's not, it's also not being like giving anybody the cold shoulder and not going to talk to any of the men. I'm just going to talk to the women because obviously like I can't get work done like that. But um, I think that's been the biggest thing for me, like how to conduct yourself around others. I think you, you bring such an important and amazing point because so many times we think of our, our worship and our ibadah and our identity as religious related things, but you're talking about the everyday, the day-to-day -day stuff that we do that actually the way of our identity is within those small moments of time. Like you said, like the fact that you have to talk to this person at that length or hold back or this or that and how to interact with this gender versus that gender. That's stuff that I think a lot of times we don't like associate as part of 
of our worship, but it, it actually is. And that's such a great point. And I'm so glad you've been able to find that balance. And since you mentioned podcasts, I know you've been a listener for podcasts for a long time. And you know, it's funny uh, when you start talking about podcasts and I was as much as I'm, I'm a uh, new and, and my podcast is only up for about a year. I'm actually a very new podcast listener altogether. And I think you've been listening a bit more than I am. So yeah, probably like five years, like before it was even cool. Like I used to listen to podcasts. Yeah. Right. I just, I'm, I'm like late to the game. I don't know. What has drawn you to incorporating podcasts into your daily life? Um, so the first thing is that the, the reason why I came to your podcast in the beginning was because um, this was like last year during Ramadan and I was looking for a little bit more inspiration and like uplift and I came across your podcast um, because um, I was just watching one of like Daniela and Bia's, you know, YouTube videos and she shouted you out and I was like, oh, this sounds really good. Um, and then I listened to one and then I just started like binge listening to all of them. And um, the Ramadan series is really good. That, right? We're like full circle. Now it's like officially almost a year. Yeah, it's been a while. So um, I think, yeah, so obviously like the, the Ramadan uh, series was really, really good. It's, it was so good for like anybody, whether you're, uh, you know, you've been Muslim all your life and you're practicing or somebody who is thinking about coming to Islam or um, somebody who's a new Muslim, anything like that. And whether you're a mom, whether you're a, um, just, just a young like just a young girl, whatever it is, um, I think it, it's just very like universal type things that everybody can incorporate. Um, so I started listening to that because it was extremely practical. And then I started incorporating different things. Like one of your, one of your podcasts back then was like ways to concentrate in prayer, 10, 10 ways to concentrate in prayer or something like that. And it was just really practical. Like it's just, it, you know, it's, it's not a lot of like fluff or anything like that. And, you know, I think, one, I, like, I think that's because me myself as a person, I really don't like fluff. And, and I think like, I've just like, how can I say this in very succinct steps? One, two, three, somebody has like 15 minutes, get them on, get them off. Cause I think myself, I'm like that too. I feel like if I want to sit first a podcast, I don't want to listen to a lot of nonsense. And I just want to take something and say, okay, I haven't wasted my life. I could take these points and I could really implement them my own self. I think it's like my self style of like always and I think I think also because you come from a teaching background I know one time we were having a conversation just like you know off this off the top of the podcast or anything like that but we were having a conversation you were talking about how um therapy why therapy sometimes doesn't work is because the therapists come they like you know um they'll listen to the kids or whoever is not even the kids but whoever they're they're kind of the client is or whatever um, and they'll talk them through things, but then they won't actually give them tools to take away and implement. And then that's where, um, you know, it, it just turns into multiple sessions and then also, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And it just does, and, and, and they don't end up feeling satisfied from, you know, from, from these sessions and like the ones who are successful are the ones who actually give tools. So I think maybe that's subconsciously something that you're, um, yeah. you've always thought about too, that you like need to actually provide people with tools. Like what can we take away from each of your podcasts that we can implement today? Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like if we just talk and talk and talk, that's good. And that makes us feel good in that moment. But if you actually want to instill change, you have to actually have something. And I felt like I was never given those tools and I wish I had. And I feel like I see so many young women that come to me and talk to me. And I'm just like, gosh, if I know you're a good person, if you just literally had these tools and someone had given them to you, I'm sure you would not be in the situation that you're in or you could handle it a bit better. So yeah, I think you're right. That might be it. I didn't remember that one. That was a good one. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing is, like, I think we're, you know, a lot of Muslims are used to going to the mosque and listening to um, khutbahs and lectures and things like that. 
And again, we're not necessarily giving tools, um, you know, for the imam and things like that. We're, um, we're, we, we understand the topic and what under, we understand what we're supposed, like, you know, what's right and what's wrong and all of that kind of stuff. And it's very holistic, but not just like the nitty gritty, like write this down, like this is what you can do today. So, yeah. um, you know, it's almost like some of the best khutbas I've heard, some of the best khutbas I've heard actually were when they did even if it was just one practical mm-hmm. like walk away tip, you're just like, wow, okay, so today I could focus on that and I could do that or those two things. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I wanted to ask you really quick, I know it's a bit of a different shift, but because I know you mentioned um, like your, your, your son earlier, um, I wanted to ask you, what do you think, I know for all those young women out there that are like trying to figure out who they are and their purpose and they want to do like this balance, that's a whole talk all the time about like, mm-hmm. like some mom career and then personal life balance. Like what, what would you say about that in terms of giving advice to other women for that like career and home life balance? It's very difficult to balance, to be honest. And a lot of women right now um, are going through, uh, you know, like obviously going from the workplace to the home and they're trying to do both. They're trying to be an amazing mom and then they're also trying to have like this amazing career. And I think we just have to like, you know, we have to cut ourselves some slack. Yes, when the kids are in school and you're at work, then you can focus just on work. Your kid is at school. And then when you pick them up, you just focus on them. Um, but then, you know, that's what I used to do too. Um, but now it's like, okay, we're at home with our kids. We can do as much as we can, maybe during nap time or something like that. Um, but it's, because I know I have, I have like a group of mom friends and things like that too, that they're like feeling guilty because they're, um, you know, they're home with their kids and then the kids are like acting up and they're trying to turn on the TV so they can get some work done and have peace of mind. And then they're also feeling guilty about it and all of that kind of stuff. And it's like, um right now everybody's going through the same thing so I'm sure everybody should well everybody kind of needs to give themselves a little bit more slack um about this like and and just do as best as they can um and yeah in terms of like balancing mom life and work life it's like just again do the best you can like if you have if you have to go to work every day um but and your kid is in school and they're taking care of as long as you're not neglecting them there's like nothing to feel guilty about Um, But then at the same time, when you're with your child, like for for myself, like I don't like to uh, be on my phone and like trying to answer emails and things like that as well, because I just don't feel like it's fair. Um, I just want to tell the difference between you ignoring them and you doing work like on the phone. Exactly. It's difficult because like if you have to literally answer an email and you're on the phone and you're staring at the phone, it's the same thing to them as if you're just like scrolling mindlessly through Instagram or something. Yeah. So they just, all they know is that you're ignoring them. And sometimes you have to, obviously sometimes you have to pick up a really important call, answer an email. Um, But usually that stuff is kind of planned. Like for me, if I have to, if I do have to be on a call or answer a call or something, I'll just set up like an activity you can kind of do alone for a little bit. Um, And then, you know, and it's something like new, it keeps them occupied for 10, 15 minutes while I have to get my email done or if I have to answer my call or whatever it is. Um, And then also you have, like, you kind of have to let the other person know too, like your manager or whoever you're speaking to that, like, this is my situation. I am right now. I have a toddler or I have kids and, you know, I'm maybe not going to meet this deadline, but I can do it at this time when my kid is sleeping or whatever it is, or maybe there's going to be interruptions in the background while I'm speaking on the phone, but like, just like make them understand what you're also going through. Um, and don't feel like you need to do both of them like perfectly. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And just because I'm, I'm a geek like that, I'm thinking of some really great takeaways that you just mentioned. And I heard you saying something that's really important. I think a lot of us need to kind of internalize a bit more, which is number one, cut yourself some slack. Because I think everybody thinks there's some super mom out there that's doing it way better than we are and that we just haven't figured it out yet. But the truth is- Yeah, of course, because of social media and stuff and people want to actually portray themselves like that, which is yeah, like unrealistic. You know, no one's sharing their bad days or anything. So you know what I'm yeah. like, I think you're right. Like we do have to at some level, but with the same caveat that like, we're not saying cut yourself so much slack that like don't do things like the appropriate way and we're neglectful. Mm -hmm. We have to find that, that balance. But I think everybody's situation is different. Like some people have one kid, some people have multiple children, some mm -hmm. people have this, this type of a job, that type of a job. And so I think that goes into the, the second thing, which is just being aware, being mindful, like taking a reflective look at yourself, your schedule, your work situation, your home situation, your children, the type of personalities that they have. I think just being overall mindful and not just letting the days pass and pass and pass to the point where we're not picking up on how things are not going so well or they're, mm -hmm. better, you know, so I think keeping a constant pulse is, is really good. And I like what you said about, you know, having a little bit of something for the child to do, like keeping planned or organized, not doing things on the fly. Like if you already know you have, like you mentioned, like time specifically for work, let's say from eight to 12, and you know that, you know, then you need a break or, you know, you have to get on a call at one, have an activity for them to do. I think is the more we're organized, the easier it is for our children. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I like the way you said to be um, honest with the employer, because I know not everybody feels they can do that. But depending, like I said, again, on your work situation, I think that's really, really important because if we're, we're going to stress ourselves out, we can make ourselves physically sick just trying to manage everything. And also that yeah. thing, I see a lot of women going into deep stress and then it leads to some type of depression or maybe um, fighting within the marriage or their children start to act out because they need love and attention. So again, going back to that awareness and keeping a pulse on your environment environment and situation I think is really key yeah and you don't need to like try like try and hide or cover up your situation at home or anything like that because your employer might be like you know a single guy with no kids and mm -hmm. you know he doesn't know like if there's kids screaming in the background it might not even like register to him that they need your attention because yeah. it's just like it's not something that he's uh he knows or whatever and so you just have to like let them know in advance that like, okay, um, you know, there's certain things that might, I, I might need to hop off for a bit and then come back on, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, just, I know you, you have to, you, because you work from home, I know you have a work situation, so I don't want to hold you too mm -hmm. long. I did want to ask you one more question, if you'll allow me. Um, I just wanted you to, to, to maybe give some advice to all of the young Muslimas out there who maybe still, um, maybe they're, they're about to get married or maybe they're married newly or maybe they're, they're into mommy life now or career life, they're jumping into it. Just what would you like to say is just some overall personal advice to the average Muslima out there? Wow, that's a pretty like big question because the category yeah, I think is so whatever different. you think is relevant and that you think women out there need to know. If I give you this platform, we have thousands and thousands of people listening. I wanted you just to think of the thing in your life that you would find the most valuable if someone would tell you. I think, okay, if I'm speaking to somebody who is looking to get married and who hasn't gotten married yet, I think this was the one thing that set me up for a good marriage and also um, a good handle on parenthood and stress and mental health and everything is literally like basically um going into marriage uh 
in like in not like a calculated way necessarily but kind of you know like how you do by the sunnah and how you teach about it and things like that mm -hmm. is exactly how i went into it and the expectations that are laid out um and and just the type of conduct that i had speaking to my husband before i you know we got married or anything like that um because there's much bigger things than small talk and um you know chemistry and stuff like that um, that makes a good marriage because you, you need to foresee the next 10 years or well, obviously like 50 years or however long you're going to spend with that person. But um, especially the first 10 years, it's like usually you're obviously you're married. It's like the first year of marriage it might be a bit like you're adjusting to like living with a new person. Right. And then you guys are moving into your own house and then you're, you're having kids and there's all of these like different things, different decisions, different like a lot of changes going on and you just have to both kind of be on the same page and know that um, basically like the, the basis of your marriage and your family life have to revolve around Allah and pleasing Allah. Yeah. Um, and then I think that sets you up for success. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I didn't realize even when I got married at 19, I got married pretty young, but I, I felt ready and I was, I was fine with that and everything, but I didn't really realize until later on, as you get more experience that like that person's personality and how connected you guys are and how religious they are and not religious, it really makes a difference. And because we all get like blindsided by like the whole Hollywood bit of getting married, I think like it, it, it gets pushed to the side and it becomes a bit more like superficial and what we tend to look for. But yeah, that stuff is key and it's it's the advice like where if if nothing else make sure they're religious because everything else will fall into place after that and if if their yeah. if their money situation is bad at least they'll still take care of you because they have that accountability or if this or that you know it's just subhanallah it's the biggest safe safeguard i think we have and i think you have to be really careful with finding somebody who's religious and not just saying they're religious and then down upon you for doing other things or you know and like your course and stuff like that that explains everything all of the red, red flags like what to actually look for how to tell somebody that's actually genuine all of that kind of stuff because you don't want to like get married to somebody religious and then they're like guilt tripping you or they're yeah. blackmailing you no, and that's stuff right. you've gone over as well right you've gone over that in one of your podcasts even about like a story of somebody who like whose husband was like blackmailing them for, for something like that as well um yeah. so you know there's yeah, so you know many different funny? factors that's, why, that's why i included it as one of the bonuses and just so you guys know this course is not open right now it's only open two times a year but i do have a marriage course and the reason i include the bonus in that one about how to read body language is so many people are like people say they're religious and then i get there and i'm like they're trying to dupe me and it's so clear they don't even like necessarily pray but they've got the whole outfit on or they have people vouching for them mm -hmm. but subhanallah like they don't you know necessarily so I, I think it's really important to have those tools like you said just the tools in general to know how to make these decisions it's really really important and even without taking the course because obviously it's not open but i think the biggest thing to look for in a partner is their piety yeah. Um, because that also has to do with like their religiousness. Like if you also see that they pray, they fast, they're, you know, they're, they're practicing Muslims and stuff, but they're not pious. That's a red flag. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then again, that's why I think I had those tools because I've seen so many women that actually go through the divorce aspect because they just literally couldn't, you know, see these things. And, and if they had known, they, they would have known. So subhanAllah. But um, yeah. I know I don't want to hold you too long. I do want to say that Sarah, I'm so excited. She's actually pre-registered from our uh, Ramadan um, recharge experience. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm so excited because I yeah, love- Yeah, me too. I love your, I love like 
first of all, I just love spending time with you. Like I'm so excited because the people that are in this course, we're going to spend time in the group in Ramadan and we're going to be together and, um, you know, spending the whole Ramadan together. But also I just really love Sarah's insights on things. She's, she's so witty. And, you know, as young as you are, Sarah, as young as you are, you're actually really, really ahead of the game in so many ways. So I think so many of us women, we have so much to bring to the table. So I know everybody kind of feels like right now we're all over the world and we're a bit more isolated than we'd like to be. And Ramadan is posing this like, oh gosh, now if the masjid is not going to have the regular, you know, procedures and we're not going to have our regular time, we pray together and we eat together and we can't go out and socialize, what do we do? But I'm like, subhanAllah, now that we're going to have the course and it's going to be um, opening up in about April 15th, inshallah ta'ala, I feel like, wow, alhamdulillah, at least we could all still feel like we're having a sisterhood together. So I'm super For sure. I agree. And I think this comes at a really good time, like this course as well, because Isn't it crazy? this is the no, time where you're not so actually immersed you know like usually you're at mosque every night whatever and yeah. you're just immersed in that uh the whole like uh, kind of like the community of it and everybody's refraining from sin and everybody's trying to do as much as possible and do good deeds and, and you know i'll give back to others and things like that and now it's going to be like everybody's in their own homes maybe yeah. uh, but then how, what do we do like without feeling like you know in despair and things like that and then also making the best of ramadan you don't want this month to go by and you've done nothing except for like mope around yeah. that you didn't get to go to mosque and things like that so i think this is something that's going to or i'm hoping is something that's gonna like you know give me that sense of community also uh, make me productive with my time during Ramadan yeah um and and just keep my hopes up a little bit so that's what I'm hoping for and you know what you just reminded me of something really important subhanallah right before Ramadan shaitan he always plants a seed like something that is going to hold you back so right now maybe with this whole bit with the whole virus everybody's going to be like this Ramadan is just not going to be like every other Ramadan but I promise you this Ramadan can still be all of our best Ramadan yet because mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's all about choices and decision and I can in my home silently you know and sometimes Sarah I feel like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allahu alam, he might have created this as an opportunity for us to look inward because we're so yeah. busy, right? Looking outward, getting distracted. And it kind of forces us to sit in our home and focus on ourselves. But we don't have to be alone doing it, which is why I'm actually excited we're going to have the whole platform together. But yeah, I was thinking like we shouldn't get despair. We shouldn't think about this as a negative. It could be the blessing that we need. Inshallah. I really hope so. Inshallah. But thank you so much for coming and spending time. And I probably will try to bring you back sometime, maybe um, when you're in the middle of the course. I really want to get your feedback on on kind of how it's going. And again, I might just ask you to give the other women for you know, just give them some advice in terms of, of, of how we can keep going and stay motivated. And I'm looking forward to spending time with you. And inshallah ta'ala, I will talk to you soon. That sounds really good. Um, I can't wait to speak to you soon and start this course as well. Take care. <laughs> So Jazak Lahir, thank you everyone for joining the podcast for our very first interview. It was super special to me, so I wanted to make it a bonus experience. And inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to be coming to you again on Monday for our next one. On, just so you know, in Ramadan, I do put out at least three podcasts a week. So right now we're doing two, mostly every Monday and Friday. But in Ramadan, we will definitely have one on Wednesdays as well to look forward to each other and spending more time together. So Jazakum Allahu Khairan. I will talk to you in the next one. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.